Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time we're delving deep into a brilliant Byline Times exclusive, revealing that a businessman with close ties to Roman Abramovich and two other sanctioned Russian oligarchs had close contact with senior MPs and peers in the Houses of Parliament. Sergei Brachukin, known in the West as Sergei Young, was one of the founding members of the all-party parliamentary group on longevity, chaired by Conservative MP Damien Green. We'll be hearing shortly from the journalist who broke the story, Ian Campbell, and the Byline Times investigations editor, Sam Bright. Before that, though, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times. That's our brilliant monthly newspaper, which features content that you can't read anywhere else. We don't have a millionaire backer. There's no big media corporation behind us. So we rely on ordinary readers and listeners like you to support our fearless independent journalism. You get more details on subscriptions over at bylinetimes.com and a subs cost from as little as £3 a month. So if you can, please take out a subscription. More details, as I say, at bylinetimes.com. That's also where you will find this story. So welcome to Ian. Welcome to Sam. Ian, firstly, tell us who is Sergei Bratukin? Well, he seems to have something of a split personality. In the West, he's known as Sergey Young, and he presents himself to be a successful venture capitalist and international man of means who is invested in a number of venture capital firms and financial management firms in Hong Kong and in California and also here in the UK. However, in Russia, he goes under the name Sergey Bratukin. And under that name, he served as a director of Norlisk Nickel, and also Russian forestry products, amongst other firms. He's been the president of Invest AG. Now, all of those firms are controlled by sanctioned Russian oligarchs, and Bratukin serves the interests of those Russian oligarchs on those boards for several years before becoming involved in the all-party parliamentary group on longevity. It's a strange all-party parliamentary group, I suppose, although it matters to all of us, the idea of uh, living a long life. He's also got connections with other sanctioned Russian oligarchs, as well as Abramovich. There's a, been an odd focus of various Russian interests on the burgeoning science of longevity in recent years. And one of the organisations set up by the Russian Direct Investment Fund, which is controlled by Viktor Vexelberg, another sanctioned Russian oligarch, used some of the funds from RDIF to establish the Skolkovo Foundation, which is a large business park and uh, MBA college and uh, incubator of startup companies on the outskirts of Moscow. And it was there that various firms with interests in artificial intelligence and in healthcare were set up. Very much when they're talking about longevity science, looking at Things like artificial intelligence and big data, the applications of those new sciences on large medical data sets to try and help target drugs more effectively, to improve diagnoses, etc., and to try and derive data about potential cures or drugs, etc., that they can develop for various uh, ailments. And this has been a key focus of a lot of Russian investment over the last 10, 15 years. What do you think, then, his interest in this all-party parliamentary group is about? Well, 
It's twofold, really. I think Young or Bertukin has set up a company called the Longevity Investment Fund, which he uses to invest in some of these AI companies, drug companies, etc. And at the same time, obviously, there's been a lot of focus from Russian state-backed interests to try and make advances in this area. One of the problems with Skolkovo and businesses based there is that as early as 2014, the FBI Boston office warned American companies that Skolkovo was being used as a sort of thin end of an industrial espionage effort by the Russians. And a large number of Western companies, which had initially signed up for leases at the Skolkovo Foundation, withdrew. So there were companies like IBM, Intel, Cisco Systems, etc., who'd initially shown an interest in joining the uh, Skolkovo organization, but were effectively warned off it by the FBI. So I think really what's perhaps worrying from a, a UK perspective is the fact that this chap has these links and these ties to businesses at the Skolkovo Foundation and some of the funders of the Skolkovo Foundation. And at the same time, he's exerting some influence over UK policies on matters such as access to NHS data, and the development of new projects within the healthcare space in the UK involving these techniques of AI and big data, et cetera. So really, it's just the it's a combination of factors around Mr. Young that at least sort of raises the specter of industrial espionage being one of the motivations for his involvement. And we should be clear, we're not accusing him or of any wrongdoing or suggesting that there is any wrongdoing on his part. No. There's no evidence that Mr. Bertukin's broken any laws or uh, done anything improper at all in the in the UK. But obviously, his association both with a large number of sanctioned Russian oligarchs and also the Russian state and a organisation which the FBI has identified as an arm of Russian state industrial espionage, and also the fact that this chap is attending presentations by the APPG on longevity in the Houses of Parliament. He's meeting government ministers. And he's, you know, helping to put together and sponsor some of the reports written by this APPG, which does have a bearing on government policy. Uh, it seems like an incongruous set of circumstances from a national security risk perspective. And I think there's possibly questions to be asked about what Mr. Young's motivations are. And Sam, I suppose this opens up the broader area of these all-party parliamentary groups. Let's be clear about them. They are not parliamentary committees. They are groups of MPs and peers who are drawn together by common interests. So they don't have any permanent standing within parliament or within decision-making, but they are, I suppose, influential talking shops on the, on the fringes of parliament. Yeah, I think you I think you epitomise that perfectly, Adrian. I think that people may get them confused with the likes of select committees, for example, the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, which is quite influential actually, that considers issues of you know national security and foreign policy, etc. And these are kind of one step removed from those sort of committees. Like you say, they're very informal, sort of almost social in some ways talking shops and uh, this, this is the thing that although in that regard they might seem more platonic than an official parliamentary select committees in some ways they're more insidious in the way that they invite non 
parliamentary bodies to sit in their ranks. So APPGs can actually have private firms or representatives of private firms sitting within the APPG. Ian and I were just talking earlier about the fact that this particular APPG on longevity is actually managed effectively. Its secretariat is a private health company. So although they're not official bodies in a strict sense, they can lean on parliamentarians and on decision makers in a way that's perhaps more disturbing than the official groups that are established in Parliament. Yeah, following on from Ian's suggestion, this group has produced two reports advocating greater involvement of the private sector in the NHS, particularly in the area of data sharing. Now, that hasn't gone on to become law, but it's just an example of how MPs can be perhaps influenced to develop legislation one way rather than another. I would say in general, Adrian, that the opening up of data to private sector firms is very much a government policy. We've done considerable work at Byline Times about the firm Palantir, which essentially processes massive amounts of data. And now Palantir is expected to win a massive NHS government contract to essentially filter the massive amounts of health data that the government has in its storage. So uh, there is definitely a trend. And like you say, does this come from ministers themselves? Is this top down? Certainly Matt Hancock and Dominic Cummings, for example, the former chief aide to the prime minister, he has consulted in the past for Babylon Healthcare, which is a private healthcare firm that uses technology substantially. You know, do these policies come from top down? And the APPGs, like the APPG on longevity, are they just feeding off that trend? Or are these APPGs and these parliamentary groups and the people, the private sector firms that contribute to them, are they in some way shaping the policy themselves? And I think it's probably, as is the case in lots of things, it's probably a bit of both. And Ian, this APPG I mentioned, chaired by Damien Green, Conservative MP, former cabinet minister. There is the former head of the civil service, Lord Kerslake, is one of its members, Sir Peter Bottomley MP, Paul Holmes MP, Jonathan Lord MP, five members of the House of Lords. And again, there's no suggestion of any impropriety on their behalf, but the question of this person who has got such close links to people who are themselves associated with the Russian state having access to MPs through the APPG, just raises questions, doesn't it, about the the propriety of all this? Yes, I think what Sam was saying there about the ability of these organisations to influence government policy is quite clear, really, with the APPG on longevity. As Matt Hancock very enthusiastically received their reports when he was health secretary, promised to implement things. They've actually been able to bring about some real change by getting data more accessible to some of these firms, such as the Palantirs of this world, but also smaller and newer firms which have sprung up in this area. I think it is a nebulous... I mean, there have been inquiries made. I know that recently in May, Chris Bryant's Committee on Parliamentary Standards investigated APPGs and found really that the rules around who can be involved and the normal sort of conflict of interest rules which would be applied to lobbyists, etc., don't seem to exist for APPGs. So it's a means of getting corporations or individuals 
to have a fantastic access to decision makers within Parliament, whether that's in the House of Lords or in the House of Commons. I think there's sort of over 750 APPGs currently covering everything from astrophysics to zoology. And really the effect that they can have on government policies ambiguous in some cases, but I think with the APPG on longevity, you can, you can actually see a direct correlation between its reports and what's actually been influenced as government policy in this space. Now, the all-party parliamentary group says that Sergei Young was briefly involved in the APPG in 2019 as a finance expert in longevity, as I call it, mm. you call it longevity. He was involved <laughs> in 2019 as a finance expert on one of the many meetings we ran that year involving well over 100 individuals. Since 2020, they say, he has had no involvement whatsoever in the APPG. I think that that's a problematic statement, as there is evidence that Sergey Young is still involved with the APPG. He's still so shown on their website as one of their key partners. Still today, yeah? Yes, today, yeah. In 2020, he attended the launch of the Health Nation Report, which was released by um, by the APPG. And uh, it's difficult to know exactly. These APPGs, they have meetings occasionally, they develop papers, they decide what areas of policy they want to talk about. They're rather informal groupings. So one can be a member and not exactly involved, I suppose. So it gives a, a veil of plausible deniability, I suppose, about one's activities within it, as they are fairly nebulous. You know, how they're controlled, how they're run is opaque to some extent. And as Sam was saying, the secretariat of the APPG is actually a private health company, which is owned by two of the principals who are in the APPG as well, Tina Woods and a guy called Dmitry Kaminsky. Well, just to, just to jump in, Ian, is that we can say unequivocally that they have understated young Bratukin's role in the initial founding of the APPG. They say that he was one of 100 members who contributed in its early phase, but we found a press release days before the APPG was set up boasting of the fact that Young's company was only one of two that had partnered with the APPG at that time. So he was very much um, one of the, the core key partners. And like Ian says, if you go on the website today and click on the link at the top of the website that says partners slash sponsors, you'll see Sergey Young's face booming back at you as the first person on the list. So yeah, it is quite contradictory. I know as diligent journalists, you'll have attempted to have got a comment from Sergei Bratukin or Sergei Young, as he's known in the West. What has he had to say? Well, we've contacted him on a couple of occasions or tried to contact him on a couple of occasions through his press contacts and through his personal website, and uh, we haven't received a response. And Sam, this highlights, doesn't it, the deep entanglement of Russian money with British politics, obviously Following the invasion of Ukraine earlier this year, we've had sanctions imposed on many Russian oligarchs. But in the years prior to that, Russian interests were actively involved in sponsoring political parties, particularly the Conservative Party, and as in this case, actively involved in in British politics. Exactly. I think the key thing here is that none of this is really properly being investigated as we discovered through the famous, infamous Russia report by Parliament's Intelligence and Security Committee, there have been many questions about potential Russian 
interference in UK politics. But the security services have never been commissioned formally by the government to investigate these things. So that report identifies, like you say, the fact that there are donors to political parties from Russia. I think it cites several members of the House of Lords, not by name, but it says there are several members of the House of Lords that have interests that are intimately tied to Russia in a way that may potentially compromise national security. This case today, I think, just sort of reinforces what we've seen over recent years and the need, I think, essentially to unpack exactly what Russia's influence may be on UK politics. And we're not saying that Sergei Bratukin or Jung is a part of that definitively, but what we've outlined in terms of his role and in terms of his background with Abramovich and other sanctioned oligarchs, it certainly, at a bare minimum, requires an investigation. It, it demands that we take this seriously and we pose the questions that lots of people are asking and to present it in a fair, transparent, accountable way to the people of this country. And that has simply not happened in recent years since 2016 onwards. Sam, thanks very much indeed for your time. Thanks also to Ian Campbell. I'm Adrian Goldberg. Before we go, just a reminder that there is a new platform on which you can enjoy byline content. Head over to the Byline Supplement. It's our new sub stack. You can find exclusive episodes of this podcast, which will get an airing sometimes before they're available more generally. Loads of new articles as well available to subscribers. Some articles are free, so you can subscribe for free, but we're encouraging you to take out a paid subscription as well, because that way you'll get more content. So head over to bylinesupplement.com to see what it's all about. It really is an excellent new platform, additional to, supplementary to, the rest of Byline Times, as the name would suggest. So in the meantime, thank you very much indeed for listening. Thanks to Harvey White for helping out with the production of this episode. And listen out for more episodes of the Byline Times podcast. We'll see you again soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.